I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Well, he was missed terribly last week, so terribly, in fact, that we had a record podcast with the most listeners uh, we've had so far. But Craig Forrest is back from his, his mid-season break, which happens now and again, right? You know, it's the first time, actually, well, that's right. these mid-season breaks are happening in the Premier League. Yeah. You yourself enjoyed <clears> one. I had to come back and make sure uh, Terry didn't take my spot. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have stayed in Mexico. I mean, so, who, who doesn't want to stay in Mexico? It must have been an awful, awful time. 11 days must have been terrible. 11 guys. 11 guys. 11, 11 days. guys, 11 days? Yeah. That's how many guys went with you. Mm-hmm. Not 11 guys in 11 days. <laughs> just, it just sounded a little bit... On 11 golf courses. Yeah, exactly. On 11 golf courses. Hey, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Hey, that's, no, that's a film in the making. We should get it. We should get it. Uh, Craig, uh, Craig wants to tell us something. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to talk about the stories? How many uh, rounds of golf did you get in? Eight. Eight yeah. in 11 days. I yeah. thought you'd be doing more than that. A couple a day. Uh, well, the Super Bowl had a day off. Another day, come of the other guys wanted to take a day off. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. Did he miss us? Yes. Yeah, it was amazing. Sure. Yeah, I raced home. <laughs> through Houston. Last night. Lost my golf clubs. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lost them what? In the airport? Well, I don't like, know. Where. We don't know where they it are. It could be anywhere. They could be. They're probably in Houston. Air Canada? Or no, no, it wouldn't be Air Canada's fault. They're, they're renowned for losing stuff. Yes. Unless they want to sponsor us, in which case they're never renowned for this stuff. <laughs> Danny Dickio's here with his beard. Deitch. Good morning, fellas. Yeah, has, has it been groomed since last week? Steadily. Do you groom it? You groom yeah, it, right? Steadily. Yeah, you groom it, right? A little trim here. Well, no, here and there. I just, whenever there's like long spider legs popping out here and there, I trim it. Do you? Yeah. Do you use oil? I use beard balm, actually. So beard new, balm. It's a new way forwards, yeah. Yeah, and that does what? Just softens it nicely? No, it just sticks it down rather than. Comes like, like, oh, that's like, why. Just a little bit, and you've, yeah. got, you've got to groom it. You've got to train it. You do, eh? Yeah. It looks, it looks because good. you've got no Thanks, hair, you got to have, you like yeah. the fact that you can groom something. As my old friend Ray Wilkins was used to say, he used to call it upside-down head. <laughs> if you're, you're bald with a beard, you are an upside-down head. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like your, your head's making up for what's on top yes. with, with wonderful mm. growth beneath. I'm waiting yeah, for right? you to show up when it's going to be just all black. Yeah. Just for men. What, to diet? Yeah, yeah no, I couldn't do Just that. for men, five minutes. That would freak my kids out. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's already freaking them out enough. They're like a was it Bluto? Isn't it Bluto? Pluto. Who's a Pluto? Is um, the Disney um, character? Popeye. Pluto? No, Popeye's uh, arch nemesis. <laughs> Popeye's arch nemesis. Pluto. 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 Where are you from? How do you know? Well, Pluto. Pluto was wasn't he? No. Popeye's that was arch Brutus. nemesis. Brutus. Was it Brutus? No. It was Pluto. <laughs> he was Pluto, right? Yeah. Yes. Craig. So, he so, was Pluto. Was it Pluto? No, it's Pluto. Pluto. Pluto was the dog from, uh, you know, like Disney Mickey character. Mouse yeah. and all that. Yeah, the yellow Pluto dog with the black, was, black ears. Right. You know, the, you know the, my apologies. Big angry white man with a beard. That's how I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Wong's here on keyboards. I'm on the keyboard. And on the mic as well. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, welcome that. to Footy Prime, everyone. Um, Oscars last night. Didn't give a shit. Anyone here? No. Sorry, what was on? The Oscars. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it, You actually. did, yeah? Mm. Sparingly. Hey, good for Parasite and uh, the South Korean director. Have you watched it? No. Hey, sorry, have you read it? Yeah, no, but I will. Uh, me too, yeah. Apparently it's really good. Yeah, well, I guess so. Best picture. Yeah, well, that's not always Interesting to note as well, Martin Scorsese, zero Oscars again. I think that's he was two, shut out, was he? two big movies he's kind of put out. What, so the, on Netflix or anything, but... The Irishman got zero, nothing? Zero. Really? Too friggin' long, that's why. Yeah. I watched yeah. it. it was all right. It wasn't great. Mm. It's it was funny, surprised. the host, who was, who was the host last night there, the black guy, was it? Um, uh, not Chris Rock. One of them was, and he said, uh, I'd just like to say, uh, Martin, how good uh, the series, The Irishman, was. I'm currently, <laughs> I nearly, <laughs> nearly finished the first series. Can't wait for the second series to come out. But he's got a lot of stick over there. I just, when I look at Scorsese at them events, I just see like an old man frowning and going, "How much longer do I have to fucking sit here and yeah, no. watch all these people?" But then you see the you see this broken down, shriveled old director, and then you see the Rolex commercials, and he's like, you know, they've got the filter on. He looks young, he looks dynamic and yeah. excited to be, you know, making lots of money through Rolex. It's like, which is a real Marty, the Rolex Marty or the Oscars Marty? <laughs> That's what we need, Shams, to liven you two up, because I look. Davenir at the moment. We need a filter? Yeah, you need, need a filter or a Rolex advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, if I had a Rolex on my wrist, I'd be pretty happy right now. Yeah, I, I would be. Um, but it got me thinking, uh, you know, the Oscars, and let's make a theme of this week's podcast, uh, fame and fans, all right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to start with, though, acting, all right? The best actor in football. Now, I don't know if you saw this recently, but last, I think last week it came out, uh, Liam Gallagher's, Liam Gallagher of Oasis fame, his latest video with Eric Cantona. It's fantastic. It's called Once. The song's great, by the way. It's the best post-Oasis Liam Gallagher song, for sure. It's brilliant. And King Cantona is in there as a king living in this mansion. And it's just its so funny because Liam Gallagher's a massive Man City fan, right? right. Very public Man City fan. And yeah. he's talking about Eric Cantona, King Eric, you know, in this song, in this video. Have you seen this? No, I, I should have probably I, sent it to really, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I'm a good, I'm a good host. But but Cantona obviously was a great character yeah. actor in, in football. Anyone that stands out to you guys who who really transcended the sport that way? Not more than Cantona off the top of my head. Um, gifted athlete, you know, tremendous football player. I remember flagging him off when we played him at uh, at uh, Portman Road at Ipswich. Read his free kick over the wall perfectly. No, just sort of <laughs> Did you get the Beano out like that. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. 
what, are we, are we uh, talking about acting like footballers that go into acting or acting on the field? No, whatever you want. We know, I mean, Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones, Vinny Vinny Jones, Jones obviously into, uh, acting. acted. Yeah, you could even go earlier than that. The, the, what was the what was the football movie? Um, Escape to oh, Victory. Yes. Oh, yeah. The legends yeah, yeah. in that. Yeah. All the LA was in it. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone in goal. Yeah. He, he, Bobby Moore was in it. I think, yeah, he was. As well. Yeah. Well, John, John Wark. That was um, a great movie, by the way. Was Kevin O'Callaghan. I loved that movie. Yeah. We were talking about doing like our, our movie reviews of the week, football movie reviews. Yeah. We should do that. There's not enough of them. There aren't that many, are there? No. Not I, really. I'm, I'm not doing Bend It Like Beckham. It doesn't count. You could do sports movies of the week. We could do. Or the month, whatever you want to call We could. Not a bad movie, though, Ben and Light Beckham. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's not really a football movie, though, per se, is it? I don't think. No. No. I think when you're going to the avenue of talking about characters and the personas of, of certain players, I think you look at present day where you've got these icons like Ronaldo's Messi to a degree. I, I don't think he's his image is as big as Ronaldo because of just not the way he Didn't looks. Didn't Ronaldo just hit 200 million, 200 million in, just Instagram on Instagram? Followers. So you can tell what kind of an icon. Okay, he's a good-looking boy. He's got the hair. He's got the tan and everything. I'm just trying to think. Like in, Back first. in the 80s as well, it was more... They were more like rock stars back in those days, weren't they, Craig? Well, George yeah. Best was the first yeah. rock and roll footballer. Like Stanley Bowles, mm-hmm. George Best, the long hair... The big flares. Whereas now they're boy bands. Champagne, Charlie. They were rock stars they, in those days. They went now they're to boy, boy bands. bands in the 90s and 2000s. But now I'm just trying to think, what would you class them as now? Like you've got your YouTube Neymars, stars. your... your uh, yeah, I suppose. Guys, I, I, my boy is a, a baseball player. But if I ask him who your favorite soccer player is, and he doesn't watch much soccer, he watches basketball and baseball here, I, I, I don't think he could tell me someone that he would like. like really? Maybe he would... You choose Neymar or someone yeah, like that? Yeah, guys, they're obviously great footballers, but their their brand goes beyond the game. Ooh. Ronaldo, Neymar, um, guys that are trying to do that as well at the moment. Mm. Jesse Lingard. <laughs> I honestly, hey, so, some, of the modern, some of the modern athletes, too, in all sports, are more worried about their image than they are winning sometimes. There's fame in this fame, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's gone to a brand new level now. It's yeah. not about what you're doing with the ball at your feet. It's, no. like I said, yeah. how many Instagram followers you have. Well, yeah. it's, it's in the contracts as well. I was reading yesterday about Marcus Rashford, who was on something like £150 a week five years ago to the day. And now it's what? He now, last year, made something in excess of £2.5 just purely from his image rights. Right. So right. all these contracts that the agents are writing in, these certain clauses and stuff now... Image rights is a massive part of that, mm. a massive part of that. I remember when David Beckham came to the MLS, the image rights probably weighed up in compar- comparison to his actual wage as well. Then adding the expansion uh, team that he got with into Miami as well. So these contracts are very thoroughly thought mm. of nowadays compared to when me and Craig were playing, where it's you're getting this per week, you'll get... This for a certain amount of appearances, this for clean sheets or goals scored, win bonus, uh, promotion bonus. That's it. Clubs now are are looking at footballers when they sign them as not just footballers, right, in many ways. What can they do for us as as an image standpoint? How many followers? A lot of players, you know, we've seen it the last number of years how a lot of Asian players have been signed up. And they could be good footballers, but it's also because they can unlock that that Asian market yeah. is, is to get that first world-class Chinese footballer mm-hmm. would be enormous, right? I remember, uh, remember Portsmouth signed a Japanese goalkeeper, the international. Yeah. I remember his name. 
he was okay for Japan, but when he came struggled, to England, yeah. oh, he struggled. Oh, mm-hmm. he struggled. And they were hoping that he would be okay because of his the amount of people that would support him, right? They would mm-hmm. have they would sell millions of jerseys. Yeah. Right? Park was a very important player for Manchester United Park. Um G Sun Park. G Sun yeah. Park. Yeah. When he came over to to a massive club obviously like Manchester United, but actually provided the talent that was needed to show that he could play at that level. But I think that pushed on the branding of Manchester United as a whole as well. They were a massive club worldwide. But to go into the Asian market, as you're saying, Craig, and have a, a, a stellar starting player within your lineup week in, week out. It's priceless, right? I, I can't even say what that brought to Manchester United. Remember Nakata yeah. back in Nicarta the uh, as well. early yeah, 2000s? A yeah. decent player, right? Yeah. And had that brand over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it was picked up by some big clubs. Roma had him for a while, of course, yeah. and well, never really reached his heights well. in Spurs, the football field. You know, Spurs have got a, a massive Asian following as well. They go over there at least twice a year. Hung um, Min Son, yeah, right, and he's proper, and he's a fantastic. <laughs> well, what's he worth? Okay, what, what is the football? Okay, Hung Min Son, right? What is he worth as a footballer? Forget the the everything else, right? He, he's at this point in this current climate. Mm. He's got to be what a 60, 70 million Easy. Easily. pound player. Easily throw in another twenty or thirty for the fact that he will unlock that that Korean market. Yeah, he could be a hundred million pound player yeah. potentially. Sponsorships right? on the shirts. As That's well. when, yeah. when West Ham signed me, they were, uh, thought about that. Eh? Just the Canadian market. Oh yeah, correct. <laughs> they'll, they'll sell freaking three jerseys. We could get that maple syrup on the jersey there. <laughs> what does he bring to the table? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you were paid purely for your footballing. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing else. Did it? In fact, it counted against you. In fact, <laughs> oh yeah, totally it counted against me. <laughs> Despite being Canadian, yeah. he's a half decent keeper. We'll, yeah. we'll keep him around for a bit. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, nothing else. <laughs> but I mean, you guys, you obviously played in the Premier League for some big clubs, right? What was that? What was that moment you realised, man? I've got a little bit of fame's a big word, right? But I mean, the bottom line is, this fame regionally. Uh, Ipswich, within Ipswich, you are well-known. Mm. Sunderland, wherever. London's a bit different, I guess, yeah. right? But was there a moment when you realized, wow, I'm, I'm the man about town here. People know who I am. Oh, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I first noticed it when, when I first arrived uh, at Ipswich. Um, I mean, Ipswich back in those days, too, was, I mean, they were... Big club. They were the dog's bollocks. They really were. I mean, coming off the FA Cup and UEFA Cup, and nobody was developing players more. Bobby Robson, for crying out loud. Bobby Robson and all that, bringing them over there. And I think that big help for me as being a foreigner when Tyson and Muren came from Holland and nobody thought they could play at that level. They're going to get kicked off the ball. They're not going to be able to play like this tippy-tappy football. Proved everybody wrong. Um, so even though it was kind of a rural part of England, um, maybe not open to foreigners as much um they were way ahead of the curve um as far as that so they were willing to take chances on foreign players so mm-hmm. that that was big but so first notice it just playing in friendlies in pre-season when i first arrived there you know and just the difference and then you know people start to recognize you and you know follow you and your development and things like that but i mean it's also a very small area of england too very very small very much a village really but walking around town i mean you you do stand out you're six foot oh five. yeah if in hindsight i would have probably well i would have i would have lived at least a half an hour away from the town you were I in town didn't i was in town the whole time at the, at the do drop in at the do drop in <laughs> my landladies yeah yeah and uh yeah so it was a. Uh, 
it was different, but it was a lot of pressure. I mean, it, it's different here. And I noticed that when I came back after spending 18 years over there, um, Toronto Maple Leafs ended the season, terrible season, didn't make the playoffs. And a bunch of the players were out having an end of season due um, in Yorkville, Toronto, somewhere. And, uh, and I couldn't believe it that they were actually out in Toronto, didn't make the playoffs, absolute <laughs> crap, and that nobody was actually... Because you couldn't do they that could, back in England. Would never, oh, ever, ever. They, they would they would front up with you. Like it, it, players it could, wouldn't do it in the first place, would they? Chris? Not a chance. You would. you would go to Spain. Yeah, get away. No way are you going in town because if you don't perform and you don't do your job in the eyes of the fans, you are going to get it. It's a different. They're not asking for your autograph. Yeah, right, right. Talk, you know? Talking about small town though, and I would class Sunderland as a small town as well. Um, maybe Pete, the Meckhams there wouldn't class it as a small town, but small town in comparison to London. Similar to Ipswich, probably maybe a little bit bigger than Ipswich, but yeah. everyone knows who you are and where you live. And I lived just outside of town. I lived in Durham. But we would walk around Sainsbury's and people would follow you around, kind of looking what you're putting in your, your shopping trolley. But you get that here they in London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. But they, they would act kind of... yeah. And amazed you, by seeing, uh, it wasn't that you were a famous like rock star or pop star. They were just uh, they lived and breathed supporting their local football club. I remember going out with my missus uh, one night for for a dinner, and we're sitting at a table, just a one on one candlelit dinner in in a restaurant. And there's a, a bar to the side of the you, restaurant. Didn't take you as a romantic. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's apologising. Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. apology dinner. I think it was a curry house actually. But, <laughs> so uh, we're halfway through this meal, and then a fella comes over to the table, and he kind of knocks me on 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 the shoulder. He goes, "Danny, can I talk to you?" So I'm going, uh, "This is a little bit uncomfortable." Yeah, he's gone. Uh, I want to know what's going on. So I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I want to know what's going on with the team, and I want to know what's going on with you." So I've gone. I've tried to be as diplomatic as possible. I said, "Look, I'm out with my wife having a meal. Uh, if you you want to talk, let's go to the training ground, or can you wait till after the meal's finished?" He said, "No, no, no. I've got a right to yeah. know what's going on. I pay on. your wages. I pay your wages. Oh, good one of those, eh? Yeah. So mm. I want to know what's going. On. He's already, obviously had a couple of bevies, a couple of drinks, and he's a, he's a little bit um, forward thinking and thinking he can come <laughs> over. And so I said to him, I said, "Look." I don't want to cause no trouble in here. I'm just out with my wife. I'm having a meal now. I understand your frustrations at the moment. As I said to you, there's a time and place. I'm out with my wife. Would I do that to you when you were sitting with your girlfriend or wife or wherever it is that you're out for a meal with? No. So he said, I don't care. <laughs> I want to know why you haven't scored in the now. last two games. So I said to him, I said, okay, fella. I said, 20. what do you do? <laughs> Could have been 30. <laughs> uh, I said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> So he said, what do you mean? I said, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm, I'm a bin man. Uh, I pick up garbage. I pick up your rubbish. I said, okay, so I pay your fucking wages <laughs> with my taxes. <laughs> so if we want to get into that argument, yeah. let's go full ahead. So then my missus is kicking me under the table and said, let's, yeah. not, let's not get into this. It starts yeah. to become a little bit... can ruin your evening it. pretty quickly. It totally ruined my evening yeah. because I wanted to get up and go outside with the fella then. Yeah. yeah. So... But they, but they feel they own you, difficult. right? They feel they yeah. own you and, and you're part because whatever they pay, because they are so immersed in that club mm. and, and their every conversation that week is about that team and the struggles yeah. and they pay your bills, pay your, your wages. They think they own you and that's wrong, 
But that's just the mentality of mm. a lot of football fans, sports fans. Yeah. I remember my dad, I was telling my dad we were going through a time and the club's struggling and I'm like, Dad, I can't even go out. Like, it's just a nightmare. And he's like, well, you know, it's a career short and you got to suck it up and they do actually pay your wages and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he comes over and we're down to Sainsbury's, you know, like law blows or whatever and walking around and a couple aisles over. Is West Ham or Ipswich? Ipswich. Right. A couple aisles over, these guys are just giving me all this. For sure, <laughs> shite. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're right. And he's like, what, the, what was that? And I go, well, I don't know, some guys over there. And he's like, how, what? He goes, how do you? And usually wanted to front him. Like, he was like, what the hell? How do you take this? And I went, Dad, there you go. I'm just telling you, this is the way it's like. And, and you think it's just different here in, in Canada or North America? Do you think in Philadelphia, they're pretty fervent fans there? Do you think uh, mm. a Phillies player who's having a tough time in a tough season can, can maybe do this? there's certainly an edge to Philadelphia yeah yeah New York to a certain point as well maybe Boston yeah but it seems every club in England every city yeah. has that element well I think the demographics too are not even the demographics but the, well the wealth demographics of professional sports in the in North America you're getting a pretty wealthy True. fan base Less blue right. color, isn't it? Blue color. They're not. Are they? Are, they're going for the event. They're going because of business. They're going. You know. I mean, Toronto Maple Leaf games are brutal for you know. So, yeah. you know, those guys aren't going to have a go at you. Yeah. They just want to have a picture with you. Also, well, yeah. while it, it was also difficult at times for the player, it was it was difficult for my my children as well at school. So mm. you speak about the older fans that have the. Influence braveness on their to come up to you in a restaurant. <laughs> now you're talking about their siblings or their children that they're influencing at home or within the stadium, and they go to school with my children at the same school yeah. or they're kicking around at the same park, and it kind of trickles down to my children now experiencing the same situation as what I did in a restaurant. But they don't know how to handle it. They're just yeah. young children. They're calling their dad. Mm. He's a load of shit. Your dad. He's a wanker. Tell him all that's this. horrendous. Yeah. So no, that, that my dad. My dad says kids. that was a difficult yeah. time for my children in in some schools, and uh, I have to give them a lot of credit for dealing with that. And maybe I didn't support them enough at the time because I was kind of oblivious to it. But mm-hmm. that, that was difficult. Um, so they've they've actually grown stronger because of it as well. And. I think we have as a family, and and you do. But what I would say, I would never, ever take away that experience of playing for Sunderland Football Club. The passion that that club, that their fans showed week in, week out, I would play for nothing for that club. I really would, because it meant everything to them. And I could understand their frustration at times, but Mm -hmm. there's a time and place to deal with that certain stuff. But it's interesting, you, you both single out essentially regional clubs, right? You both also played in London. Yeah. With a lot of clubs, it's a huge city. You can hide, I imagine, a lot easier. Was that easier to be a Premier League player or a, you know, a big-name footballer in London? Yes. Yeah, a lot easier. That's why I always thought, why did I live in Ipswich, like the actual right. town? You know, I'd live outside. And, and uh, when I actually continued to live in Ipswich even when I was at West Ham. Mm-hmm. So I drove down. Um, it was just a different experience. Now you're former Ipswich, you know, you did fairly well there. You are there for 13 years and, you know, now all of a sudden... Now are you still recognise Ipswich? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and when you went to West Ham, did anyone give you crap saying, why would he leave us, even though... No. No? No, not at that, that particular was, time. Did you find, yeah. as, time, as the years went on, they remembered you fondly? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was fond memories for the most part anyway, right? Because we got back. Uh, no, you a good yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were a good team, promoted to the inaugural year of the Premier League in 92, so. And but, absence does make the heart grow fonder, I guess, in football, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> People forget those short struggles. They remember the big picture, right? Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, a lot of changes there at Ipswich over the years, man. I, I think with <clears> London as well, you've you got to remember at the moment, London, we have... A, 18 million people living in the GLA, which is the greater London area, and obviously uh, the city. So you could come across certain people and you'd never, ever see them again. Where mm. if you're in a, a, mm. a small town like Preston, Sunderland, Ipswich, wherever it is, Norwich, you're basically either going out socially with, with your family or with your friends, and you're seeing the same clientele, same fans, week in, week out, where mm-hmm. in London, you could go to certain spots where you wouldn't even see a football fan. But that must change your entire outlook as a footballer as well. When you're playing at Sunderland or Ipswich and you know <laughs> that you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to be carrying this on my back all week long because I'm going to be amongst this, this hardcore, fervent fan base as opposed to a London-based footballer where you know no matter what happens today, they're, they're crazy at the ground, but I can escape well, this. That's one of the biggest problems that... that the northern clubs or the clubs that uh, have such a strong fan base from working class backgrounds, they find it hard to attract that necessary player to maybe kick them on for a championship. So they do avoid it. So they do avoid it, yeah. I mean, back in the day with Keegan, when Newcastle, they started to bring a lot of the London boys up and they had a fantastic team. Uh, Les Ferdinand went up there for for a time. David Ginola went up there for a time, and they were really, really bubbling. But none of the players could settle up there. Even Tino Asprilla, I mean, he was living in a hotel for the full three years that he was at Newcastle. <laughs> he had the top floor of a hotel, really, and it was like a party room for the, for the <laughs> I time. I can imagine. And it's a shame because it is such a, an ingrained football culture within those cities. But the media, the fans, the pressure to perform week in, week out, because as we all know, when things are going really well, it's, it's amazing to be around. But when things are going really bad, like at Sunderland at the moment, they're having a little bit of a peak, it's, it's, it's a poor, poor environment to, to wake up to every day because mm. you just feel drained. You feel drained even before you go to the training round. And it's the head coach's job or the, the players, if you've got a good team spirit. To, to lift each other up because it, it, it really drains in your shumps. And I will imagine now with social media, right, you can't yeah. escape it. We it's can, just, just don't, don't be on social media, right? But at least in your, in your days, um, I know, Deech, you probably got into it towards the end of your career a little bit maybe. Yeah. But um, in your days, you could shut your door and close that door and bury your head and escape it. It's, imagine now even harder to do that. But again, it's your your choice, I guess, to yeah, go onto right. Twitter or Facebook I mean, that goes, or Instagram, that goes whatever. Right through society, as far as you know, kids and and bullying at home. You know, that continues not just right, at yeah, the schoolyard; it, it continues at home in the bedroom where they used to be able to come home and have their broadcasters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it uh, it was it, it is interesting depending on where you're playing. Like the big city of London was uh, is definitely different. Who were the harshest definitely. fans you played for, Craig? You know, because you had you played for West Ham, Chelsea. Yeah. Which are very, I would very, say, <laughs> you know, the five years of West Ham, it was a pretty good stretch because it was in the top ten every every year. Yeah. So it wasn't. Imagine so bad. that West Ham fans. Do you hear that West Ham fans? Top ten every year. Yeah, what they're going through right now. Sorry, oh, to interrupt what there, they're but. going through right now. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, my motivation was the the Bowling Pub on the corner of Green Street. I've been there. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? It's something. 
you can't avoid going past it. And the fans would be there by their thousands. And if you lost, I mean, the amount of cars that they've damaged a player. This is your own players. So you're driving past in your car. Yeah, you're yeah. driving past. And they, they're waiting for all the players. Yeah. So if it goes yeah. if it goes well, badly, your car might get damaged. Well, I mean, and, and you you drive a pink Bentley as well, so it kind of yeah, that's, that's right. With yeah. pink alloys, yeah, my beige one point one liter Ford Fiesta. <laughs> yeah, my yeah Ford Fiesta. Was it a Fiesta? No, I had my first car was a Ford Cortina. A Cortina, really? Remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. the Granada was the bigger one, and the yeah, Cortina was the right. smaller one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a good deal. It was a couple hundred quid piece of crap. And uh, eventually, I, I pulled up to the end of the road. It was a T-junction, and my freaking wheel, right wheel, it fell off. And it, it just got bounced into somebody's yard. It just fell off. Yeah. I was so like, it wasn't I getting serviced. It, yeah, Your so, MOT wasn't the big thing for you, was it, it, at that point? No. The MOT, that's right. Yeah. But that's you, tough, though. You're driving past on the way to game to, you know, which, you know, you pass your employees. Yeah. Employers, sorry, because yeah. they're paying you. I broke down, actually, when I was on loan as a kid to Colchester United. A uh, big hill going up into Colchester. I was l- late for the game. Well, not late for the game, but later than I should have been because I broke down on the hill. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. just left my Cortina on the side of the road. There were no club cars in those days. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> club cars. Well, there there was actually a few of the Ipswich starters had club cars, and that was you a, were that was a big deal for not then. I was oh, okay, I was, was young. I was at Colchester United. Oh, Colchester. Sorry, you're yeah, right. right, right. Loaned out. Alone. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to note now as well that most clubs have a private car park now or they have stewards that escort the players to the stadium or they're now trying to design these new stadiums, car parks under the actual stadiums or the arenas, similar to what we have here in North America. So the players are not having that or having to deal with those interactions with the fans. I mean, we we even saw in Real Madrid, Gareth Bale trying to come out the stadium with the Real Madrid fans... Right. waiting for him outside, and they're all kicking his Bentley. So I think that's a big part of of you dealing with the stress and dealing with, similar to my, my episode in the restaurant, but I think it's something that grounds you a little bit as well to, to tell you how much it means to these fans. And yeah. yeah, but a lot of people couldn't handle it. And no, I'm sure a lot of footballers... present-day guys, I don't think, could handle it as much as what yeah, we had right. to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? We're we'd protected ha- a lot more. Do you think, yeah. I mean, how many... Obviously, not give me a number, but I mean, it must happen frequently back in those days. Good quality, talented footballers never having the, the hunger because they didn't want to deal with that crap. They couldn't mm. deal with it. They, they break, yeah, you never they, they know break. if you can deal with it until, they until actually, it happens. Right? Until it happens. Yeah. yeah. You often see these great young players coming through, oh, well, this is the next big thing. Never happens for him. Yeah. And, and there's way more to it than just talent, I think, mm-hmm. in some cases. 100%. Character is, is probably the most yeah. important ingredient you need to be a player at a, a high level now to deal with all the adversity social having that media. little social media having that little bit of resilience because as we spoke about like when when things are going really well that's not when i really look at players even working with younger players mm-hmm. everyone wants to get on the ball everyone's ready for interviews everyone's first on the training field but when things are going bad or even in a game when we're coming under the cosh a little bit, that's when your true characters come out. And it's the old saying of rolling your sleeves up, whatever it is. It's no guys being brave to get on the ball, guys holding people accountable, guys mm-hmm. encouraging to, to push on, captains taking the lead, which is the the real lead of being a captain, a real leader in, mm-hmm. in pulling people together. So 
You see a lot of that raw, raw stuff in North America, too. Yeah. You know, where the NFL, boy, you know, come on, come on. But um, at the end of the day, it might not be the guy that's all raw, raw. That's the one that actually rolls up his sleeves and actually shows that. And it, it does does rear its head for sure uh, about character and where these where these different individuals are so, coming so from. I, I wonder <laughs> that, you know, you talk about how a player through his performance will motivate and encourage his teammates, right? So is it a two-footed challenge? Is it a lung-busting run? What would fire you up as a footballer when you saw a teammate do something on the field rather than rah-rah, but there's something Well, I mean, you got the physical side of things, but you also got just the point, you know, are they showing for the ball? Like, like you know, like, I mean, we had Paolo Di Canio, absolutely fantastic player. But there was times away from home he would go missing, and we, we would confront him. The players yeah, would, would confront him, you know. And he'd react. You know, you want to fucking do this at home and be the star and, you know, jinking and jiving and, you know, taking your shirt off of the fans at home. Well, what about away? How would he react to that when he was confronted? Not well. Really? He'd go angry? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Pelo was a little different, right? So he would. (laughs) That's a way to describe him. (laughs) A little different. So he would start throwing tea around and stuff like that. It could be anything, though, Sean. It could be a goalkeeper making a great save, a 1v1 save. It could be your striker. Like really pressing from the front, like showing the energy that we want to defend with as a group. Mm-hmm. It could be that lunging tackle. It could be your captain arguing with a referee's decision to say, look, we're here mm-hmm. to stand up today. We're not going to be pushed over easy. Anything could trigger that. that. And it, it can could be, be a something, It could be something from the fans, like a song, a loud song. Like Sunderland, they used to be unbelievable at getting behind us. And that mm-hmm. just, just gets you fired up, right? Yeah, you, you, must, travel, you must miss that, right? We used to travel to away games with four to 7,000 fans, Shams, when yeah. we were in a Everywhere. Room. I mean, they come four to Ipswich. To Ipswich is not an easy place to get to for mm-hmm. Sunderland. That's a good trip. On a Tuesday night Oof. for yeah. a six- to seven-hour trip, guys that are working, as we said, Blue-collar guys, working-class guys, travelling down to Suffolk on a Tuesday night to support their yeah. team. And that's the expectancy. So they're willing to put their money, their time, their effort in getting to the stadium. So all they ask from their play- for their players is that fight and their desire. But you guys you guys have good character, you know, and it pains me to say that about you both, but you have good character. I can see you guys getting fired up by that kind of stuff. There must have been, <laughs> <laughs> But there must have been teammates you had who just, regardless, wouldn't give a shit. Oh, yeah, so the 7,000 traveling fans, meh, I'm going to mail it in like a Decanio, for example. It must drive you crazy. Yeah, I mean, it didn't happen often, to be honest with you. They get, they get weaned out pretty quickly. They do, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. The and players, the team. Weaned they, out from the club or the, ostracized the team, by the team? The team wean them out. Yeah. yeah. It's not only the fans, but the team wean them out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get found out really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're like a genius like Decanio who, you know, could. Uh, Taking away game off, or yeah, you'd accept it because you knew you could book turn a hamstring the in for Manchester United away or something. <laughs> right, right. Although he did do very well. I remember the FA Cup. He scored against Bartes when he won one 0 up uh, at Old Trafford. He was brilliant on that day. You mentioned the good times, you know. And obviously, with fame, when you're well known, you can be hammered when things are bad. But when things go well, it's great. But overall, as a professional footballer, you have this this image. Us that have never played professionally, of what a life, you know. You get all this free stuff. You make lots of money. <laughs> Did you ever take it for granted, or was it just, were you always like, wow, this is, I'm getting a free meal here, I'm getting a free <laughs> tracksuit or something? It's, it must have been pretty cool. It was cool, but I mean, it was what I knew as well, and all I knew really, you know, showed up at 16 in England. So by the time I was playing on the first team, and you held up when you first broke through to the first team. When did I break 18? through? 
19 for 19? Ipswich, 18 when I went on loan to Colchester. That right. went well. So then the next summer, uh, they sold the goalkeeper and I was thrown in. Right. Okay. Yeah. Crap myself. <laughs> you crap yourself? Oh, freaking hell, did I ever. <laughs> Which game was that? Stoke City away was the first game. Yeah. Not easy. No, no. Not easy. And no. wasn't it Britannia back then, right? No. Oh, I remember that, that stadium. Wasn't that good? Oh, what was it called? Stoke City's old stadium. Yeah, I can't oh. remember. You, not, <clears throat> it was windy as oh. mm. Yeah. So you were crapping yourself. When you got the call, you, you found out when you were going to be starting. I was in Vancouver, actually, just in the off-season. Oh, really? Call, yeah. So from then right up to... <laughs> I was pretty much, you know, you're just nervous. You're, you're just, it's anticipation. Would you right? rather start your first game on the road or at home? Oh, I didn't care. Didn't care? No, no. didn't care. It'd be just as much pressure away from home as Did you play home. well? Did okay. I mean, Drew 2-2 two, two or something like that. Do you yeah. remember the first goal you conceded? Because Deitch definitely remembers I the first remember, goal you scored. Sure. I remember the first goal I conceded when I started playing. Like, I was late. Right. So I was 12. From Coming from lacrosse. Coming right. from lacrosse, yeah, I had an opportunity to play in a youth tournament, a Labor Day tournament, um, at a very good side from uh, Coquitlam, and you know, one of the best in Canada. Actually, they won the Canadian Championship that year. I didn't start then, but I started in this tournament. So we're playing against this team from Seattle. The guy was cleaning on goal, and first game I ever played. And I ran out to the top of the box to challenge this guy, and he just chipped it over me. Oh, really? And it bounced a couple of times in the net. It's like, funny that. Mm. I still remember goals I scored as a kid as well. Yeah. yeah. There's certain I think we all do to a certain point. I mean, I there's scored certain goals them, as a professional that I, I look at on TV or on Twitter. I have no fucking remember. Were you a concussed, of Beach? that goal? Yeah. You were concussed. Yeah. yeah. Some, Maybe that's it. <laughs> the time I was concussed, but it's funny that, like you say that, because I remember goals from when I was like 11, 12, 13. Yeah. There was actually, a, I had this light sweater that I, I wore for that game, um, Parkland School in Coquitlam. And uh, I wore that same jersey, that same sweater under my jersey until I was in my 30s. Really? <laughs> Every game. Like even in England, you took oh, yeah, it with it? Yeah. yeah. Was until it a lucky it, jersey? Yeah, I just, this is what I always wore. So even when it was hot, I'd be in Jamaica playing. The, you know, <laughs> and I had to have it on. That's funny. I had a lucky pair of socks as well. Oh, God. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Crazy. Do you I wouldn't have wash still? it. If I scored, I wouldn't wash them. Yeah, then, so, so what made you stop wearing them? I didn't score. That was it? Yes. Yeah, so well, no, they, they were no well. longer lucky. Then I'd try and find another new pair. When did you stop wearing your gross, disgusting shirt? When it fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing left. It was like... just the collar. <laughs> it was kind of just a collar. Braid. 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 <laughs> yeah. Do you still have these things? Could be worth millions in no. a museum millions? somewhere. Millions? Jesus. No. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> Hundreds <laughs> of games later, my jeez. Do you... Remember when you first got recognized for being a broadcaster as opposed to a footballer? Mm, don't remember exactly because you always sort of, they relate you to playing. They do still, yeah. 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 But there must be some young guys you meet now who know you as being Craig yeah. Forrest of Sportsnet for so yeah, many years, sure. not as Craig Forrest, Premier League footballer. No. Well, <laughs> must be sobering. Yeah, exactly. When these <laughs> kids are like 20 and never heard of you before, yeah. it's like, wow. Time, oh, you played? Time, <laughs> time yeah, I won the Gold Cup. I actually got stopped in Ikea yesterday and a fella was like hovering around me and I thought, oh my God, like, is this a creepy guy? Or... And so he come up to me and he's looking me in the eyes. He's going, are you... Danny Dicchio, I said, depends. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh, I really, really miss you guys on uh, TV, like doing the Premier League. I said, oh, so I had a conversation with him. Nice guy, really nice guy. But that reminds me of about 
two years ago, I met another kind of youngish guy. It was I think it was again in in IKEA. And he started talking. Spent a lot of time there. Are you there for lunch? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> meatballs. Really? Good, 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 for good meatballs. Good meatballs. Swedish yeah. meatballs. Cheap hot dogs, too. Yeah. No, I don't eat hot dogs. So, anyway, this kid's gone to me. He's like, so, yeah, I re- really enjoy, like, yeah, TV uh, and stuff. He said, how, how do you know so much about, like, the Premier League and football? <laughs> so, my wife's there looking at me. She's going, you got to tell him. Tell him, then. So... I've gone, well, no, I just like, I like watching a lot of the Premier League. He's like, no, it's like, you, you really know your stuff, like you and Craig and the guys. Like, it's like as if you like really played the game. Are you so serious? I said, fuck, I'm going to stop him here. I said, you do know I used to play football, do you? <laughs> He's like, really? I said, yes. He yeah. had no idea. I played for Toronto FC as well. He's like, oh, I, I really didn't know that. So, was he obviously a young guy? Yeah. He was like about 18. I've had that some. Guys who want to get into the business, like so. Did you go to school? Did you you know take broadcasting? Right. Did you? How did you get into it? And it's like, well, <laughs> well, it's funny because on 20, the reverse, I, years. I, I've many times over the years got so like, who do you play for? And yeah. I'm like, look at me. <laughs> Clearly, I have never been a professional athlete. But thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah. But like, or, or, or did you play at a, what kind of level? Oh yeah. You know, Soccer City of Tobacco, third division, indoor yeah. soccer during the winter. Yep, that's my level. Relegated. Yeah, relegated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like you can't really think that I actually played the bloody game. There's a reason I host. I'm not an analyst. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, fame's a funny old thing, isn't it? When you came to Toronto, I mean, was it a culture shock from a fan standpoint? Because back in 07, there's this, this furor. People loved TFC, despite the yes. fact that the team was really bad. It was yeah. this brand new, exciting care. party. They yeah, didn't care, they right? They did not care. How do you, yeah. Was it was it weird? No, it was it was refreshing to me. It really was. Um, and I think I can attest to the likes of uh, Javinko playing here, Mike Bradley, uh, Torsten Frings, Danny Kuvermans, guys that come over from Europe as well that have played in Europe. And they just love the city of Toronto because fans were very gracious and very respectful positive too, and positive right? and they would say hi how you doing and leave you alone <laughs> in that sense where you they, they respected your time whether you're with your family or you're out by yourself and for me that was refreshing rather than getting heckled in England or mm-hmm. told you of this or told you of that or you played for another team so they didn't like you in that sense and there's a certain I, I can't really put my finger on it, but there's a certain way people in England think about a footballer, the persona of a footballer. Is it negative to start it's, with? You it's earn it's the... a little bit negative, yeah. but, and I didn't really like that, and that's another reason why I wanted to move my family across here, just for a different life. But for me, it was it was very refreshing. And I know it was an exciting time in 2007, 2008, where we had a new franchise, uh, football in this city. Yeah, nobody knew exactly how it was going to go. No. You know, it had been uh, unsuccessful before. And it's but you were on the committee to bring TFC to Yeah, Toronto, I was on the advisory right? committee, so yeah. So you, well, you, you couldn't have been that surprised. You thought it would work. Well, no, no, I wasn't. Uh, I thought it could work if it was done the right way and just from history when you look at the backgrounds of the different ethnic groups that have controlled football or the team you know when it, when you put a ethnic group 
Toronto, Croatia, yeah, or what you know, you segregate essentially. Don't you, you do, yeah, yeah. And you had an owner from <coughs> Italy, an owner from England, an owner, you know, and those groups would support each other. But it was never, it was never all for one, right? right. Which is Toronto SC's logo, and then that was really what it had to be, and that was what we so were. So all for one that, went beyond on the field. All for one, we're eleven brothers out there. All for one was a club, mm-hmm. a community club. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's worked. It's been great. It's still there. Right. <laughs> and maybe because of MLSE and just being this, you know, comp group that, you know, brilliant sports people and business people, um, but they didn't, there was no particular group. It didn't mm-hmm. reflect any of that. So they really did a good job galvanizing the whole city and every ethnic group that this is all for one. We're all together. And, and they did an amazing job marketing it and took it to a different level. It's amazing because, you know, it, you know, I, I know Bob Leonard Duzzi out in Vancouver. He he wasn't sure. He didn't think MLS in Canada was going to work. Right. And there was a few people like that. And I think it surprised a few. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it surprised the league because well, it, it, it ended it up being definitely the, the blueprint for the blueprint. what you do to succeed yeah. in MLS. Yeah. Interesting how MLS, they thought the, the, the base was going to be southern states. You know, the, the Texas, the, the Hispanics, Los Angeles, Chivas, Miami, you know, Tampa Bay, Mutiny. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they all went. They all sort of just Miami went, Mutiny went. And then it started moving north where Seattle and Portland, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, you know, it started to be really successful and, and with, a, uh, with a different ethnic group really than they thought they were going to be supported by. And now Miami trying again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it will probably be very successful, I'm sure. Yeah, if it's done mindset. right. Yeah, if it's done right. Yeah, it will be. But you, how crazy is it when you look back? You played a couple mm. of years at TFC, right? Yep. Two and a half years, was it? Yeah. About two and a half years, right? And you're an icon for TFC because of – you had a good, good career there, but really because of the one goal, mm. right, which made the headlines around the world, right? TFC, this, this really bad team – Hasn't scored, was it eight games? No, five, you know, games. Five. Five, five games, right? And then you yeah. score the goal, and of course, the seat cushions come off. And without the seat cushions, it probably wouldn't have become what it was, right? Do you ever think I owe much of my career and my fame <clears throat> to, to seat cushions? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> what a moment, though. I know. It was an amazing moment. You know, there's a big story behind this. I don't want to go into too much detail. But, yes, uh, we want you to but, go uh, into it. <laughs> on a podcast. But, the seat cushions were not really approved by MLS because when you're you're giving away certain stuff within the stadiums, it has to be approved by by MLS. And I think I think that it was a last minute thing that that MLS kind of said, okay, deal with it. We want to put the cushions to commemorate the the, the opening day. Although we did play a game a week before against Kansas, which we lost. That was my first game. We lost one zero, but this. Opening day, which was a beautiful sunny day in, in Toronto, was supposedly the first home game, which I still couldn't work out. But I was like, okay, this is another <laughs> North American thing that I'm just going to go <laughs> go along with. But <laughs> after the goal was scored, and obviously the, the relief shown only by the players, but by the, the fans, and the seat cushions just started thundering down from different parts of the stadium... There was like a, I think it was like a five to seven minute period where they had to clear the field. They had to bring on games crew and as well yeah. as the officials. There was players throwing these seat cushions like frisbees off of the field. The the club were actually really 
really worried about getting fined. <laughs> but after the exposure around the world, like you said, Shams, wherever it was my bundled goal scoring, trying to get on my feet and putting it in the back of the net, but the exposure of the seat cushions raining down and the whole atmosphere, the league absolutely loved it. Yeah. I remember, they loved I, it. I remember it broadcasting. So I was broadcasting with uh, Nigel Reed that game. And uh, I thought when the cushion started coming down, it was my first thought was, oh no. And then it was followed by, bring it on. Yeah. Like, it just, <laughs> just loaded up, right? Because it really was a special yeah. moment. Like, it was incredible. And just to see, you know, how far the game had come and the opportunity and how badly this team has started off, you know, had to score a goal. I mean, you yeah. started on the road, right, for four or five. Four games on the road. Yeah. I, I wasn't involved with those games. No yeah. goals, no points. No points. You were injured for those games. No, no, I hadn't signed yet. Oh, really? You signed? Yeah, I was still at Preston. Really? Yeah, I hadn't done Why pre-season. Okay. I hadn't even I met the team yet. Okay. So, so you just arrived? I arrived the week The saviour, Danny Dicchio. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't even savior. It was just they were trying to bring some players in. They were moving parts around as much. I remember it was did. Paul Dickov was mentioned as a big rumor. Paul Dickov's coming a and year then it's later. Like, yeah, and it's oh, it's Danny Dickio. Like oh crap, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, that's not big, true. <laughs> big giraffe. But it's funny as well. After the game, uh, talk about the league absolutely loving it and saying this is a great showcase for the league. This is this is what we want. This is part of the marketing strategy. But they also give the old slap on the wrist and said, never, ever again put fucking yeah, seat cushions right. yeah. on the seats. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever do that again. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brought you into the, the Toronto sporting conscience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For sure it did. It Everyone brought the club, I think, point. as well, yeah. because mm-hmm. we were still an expansion team. We were still trying to gather momentum and bits of pieces of media. Obviously, we're, yeah. we were live at certain times, but we weren't getting the exposure on the main news channels or anything like that. And I think that was really the start for us. Yeah. Not because we'd won a game, not because I yeah. scored my first goal, but purely because of these seat cushions mm-hmm. and the atmosphere. And suddenly we were the hot ticket. Yeah, Everyone absolutely. wanted to come yeah. to the game, whether you were a football fan or not. Yeah, I mean, TSN didn't even come, didn't send a camera for the first five years. They had nothing to do with it. They didn't have any games. It wasn't their property. They sent nobody. Mm-hmm. Until they actually got the property, and then they they went heavy on it. But yeah, yeah. they weren't supporting it at all. I was I was upset with that. You know, just being another network, I just wanted yeah. the exposure for the game, and I was disappointed that uh, it wasn't always isn't always the case. We've seen that in sports media for so many years, though, right? You don't mm. have the property, we don't care about it, and it's a yeah. real arrogance. <clears throat> if you ask me, I hate that. Yeah, it's still relevant. <laughs> right? You should still be covering it. I was watching. Sp- Something on Sportsnet on Saturday afternoon, and there was a couple, dog show? Of, the dog couple show, of games cancelled. I'm going, oh, there's got to be a game here somewhere. Show? Outstanding. And Sorry. there's a fucking dog show on Saturday afternoon. Saturday morning when we used to be on. Prime time. Bare numbers. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Like, we're holding the World Cup. When? 2026? <laughs> yeah. We're oh, trying frick. to get to the World Cup in 2022. The girls have just qualified for the Olympics. We're trying to push this sport through, and we got dogs <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon I on the main sports channel. But did you see some of those dogs? They're beautiful. I love mm. dogs. I really love dogs. Best in show. But I don't want to see them on a sports <laughs> channel on show. a Saturday afternoon. Best in show. Best in show, yeah. yeah. Come on. It's Best not really uh, So sorry, have, are you saying it's not? <laughs> I have to interrupt just because it was fully out of uh, Snatched. When he was saying dogs, I dogs. fucking hate dogs. <laughs> <laughs> are you calling but me a pikey? Yeah, that's what I'm calling you. But are you saying that 
a dog show isn't actually sport. No. Right. Just so we're getting your opinion clear here. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. You know, it's and, not and, the, and, the, and what we're doing here, too, with our podcast, I mean, we're trying, you know, we want to, it'd be nice so we could prove that there's a, a market for that, you know, outside of the big networks and try to promote the game and, and give, you know, some content to the sport in this country. But it is freaking fri- uh, frightening and, and how frustrating it can be, uh, like Danny says, you know, and what the what the women have done. I mean, it was a shame <sighs> because of the actually last qualifying game, I know that they had some issues tech- technically. They couldn't get yeah, the game I know, up, I know. It's, right? It's really frustrating. That yeah. was frustrating. So you know, the the, the whole business is changing. But uh, for That's a country I, I that think, is going to be hosting in 2026, the exposure is uh, not even close. To, I think we're in a lull gonna, right now, but we're about to explode. I really feel that. Just something's going to happen very soon. I think mm, from I that standpoint. So. Did you see uh, the Premier League were talking this this week and admitted that there's going to be very soon uh, a streaming service from the Premier League. Now, whether it's all the games or some of the games to start, but it's going to happen. The Netflix of, of the Premier League, yeah. um, specifically by them, which will... They're you know, talking about in-club as well, aren't they? Which, yeah. Which, really interesting. Me, that is really cool. Like, we've seen the Man City one on, I think it was on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's brilliant. They, they go in-depth in the locker rooms, in the training ground. Who's doing it? Someone's key. doing it this year. Oh, who is? I think... Christ, is it... The problem I have with that is that think. companies pay billions of dollars for rights and exposure... And access, mm-hmm. and then Amazon Prime come along and spend and give them another what ten twenty million pounds to do this other show, and all the broadcasters are like, "Well, hold on a minute, we we're paying billions of dollars for yeah, access to I you, know. and you don't give and it, you to don't us. give it to us." I know, and as we know that happened worse in the media, it's very hard to get good access from professional football teams. TFC is yes. pretty good, but um, you know, well, overseas, you have, to be, you have to be in North America good at it. Mm-hmm. You have to give the media access. You have to give like it's just it has to be that way. You but, have to sell your product. But if You're they go to this OTT model, which is going to happen, so they say eventually, then that yeah. will, you know the, the TSNs, the Sportsnets, the Sky Sports. Wow, now what? What are we going to do? You know, you got to think ahead of the curve here. Mm-hmm. But uh, the article I read was saying with the current numbers at play, if they went to an OTT service right now, they could make about twenty four billion pounds, as opposed to right now they're making what. Four or five, so mm-hmm. it's going to happen, people. Yeah, definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um, Mission Canada quickly staying the fame thing. When you win the Gold Cup, did that change anything for you in Canada? From from that standpoint, being well known, I can't remember now. I mean, I, I covered it a lot at the time on on the score. I forget how much. Obviously, Sportsnet were covering the tournaments. Did yeah. it change? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it gave us a little bit of exposure. I mean, it was something that we, you know, we were hoping that would. You know, help kick it on as well, and just another big step in the development of the sport in the country. You know, and I think it did that. Um, it was sort of a shame too that the majority of the team playing in Europe right after the tournament ended uh, straight back. You know, <laughs> I was playing the next Saturday. Yeah, right. Getting so you, smashed by you Manchester United. Couldn't bask United. in the glory. No, no, humbling, very, very humbling. <laughs> was it a good party though that night? Oh. Different class. <laughs> different class. No, just different amazing. gravy. Different, yeah. We should do a, a separate podcast just on that night. Or yeah. Well, just, just in the lead up to it. I mean, I remember uh, every round we got through, surprisingly, Harry Redknapp, I mean, they were struggling because Shaka was struggling. He was injured at West Ham, and they had young Stephen Bywater who was uh, holding down the fort. And uh, Harry's like, every time I'd phone him, 
He's like, we won again. He's like, what do you mean we won again? But in Canada, you don't win anything. And I need you back here. We're a top 10 team. Yeah, we're a top 10 team. to be home three weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, Craig, you go right ahead. You go off to the Gold Cup. We'll we'll see you next week. Yeah. All of a sudden, you wanted me back. That's funny. So, yeah, it was was good. It was good. Um, um, And it, uh, it helped a little bit, for sure. But we're a long way behind. Yes, yes. Uh, we mentioned the, the, the women's uh, successes of late, and we should talk about that briefly here. Um, we'll get some, some personalities on the podcast in the coming weeks, of course, but another great week for Canadian women's soccer, qualify for the Olympics, plus Christian Sinclair finally does it, yeah. breaks the record, which is quite incredible, actually. One of the most understated superstars in Canadian sports, still not really given the, I think, the respect nationally on a sporting scale yeah. that she should get. Or internationally. Or internationally. No, you're she's right. never been up for player of the year. We're talking about superstars, three. rock star footballers and athletes. She's the opposite of that. Mm. She's so understated, right? But 185, yeah. now 186 goals. Jesus. Yeah. It's something, well, she's played, it? I mean, nearly 300 games I now. I know, the Caps, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's uh, that's the women's game. I mean, you're basically playing international games. You're going to play way more international games than you're ever going to do club games. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they're busy, but good for her. I mean, it's amazing. We covered them from the early 2000s, and, you know, it just she just – her longevity and – and the respect as well that she gets from all the teammates. I mean, she didn't like doing interviews. You know, she's very uncomfortable doing mm-hmm. that. Uh, she's getting a little bit better. When you get it, a smile from Christine, it's like, yes, success. Yeah, it's not her thing. It's just uh, she's just about playing the game and, and as well as trying to uh, inspire young and she's done that, right? I mean, 2012 she's, inspired yeah, a generation, I think. She's great at that. Yeah, all of them do a really good job of that. Like, they they sign. I remember in Vancouver qualifying for London. We covered that tournament, um, which Christine scored a beauty in the final there, too. But um, they would they would spend an hour, two hours after the game. They would they would sign every autograph. If the kids were there, they wouldn't miss a kid. They would, yeah. you know. So they knew that their role was more than just playing and being trying to win games for Canada it was to to take the uh the 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 sport to another level in Canada and and to inspire young girls to go out and play or boys for that matter right and uh I think you know even um you know the American girl who she passed uh Wombach yeah you know she She was she was excellent as well yeah Yeah, really nice yeah very Mm -hmm. classy it was you know it was all about you know just again more exposure for them and the women's game and way to go, Christine. So, and we're, and we're seeing some of those young girls that she inspired actually now scoring goals for the national team on the same team as Christine Sinclair, right? Incredible. Some young kids coming through. It's amazing. Yeah. Were they even born when she started? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Right. No. Like 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. playing international football. It's incredible. Crinna LeBlanc, one of our favorites, yep. into the Hall of Fame Good as well, her. along with uh, Brittany Timko. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I Karina's... Picked I picked her and Timko as well. Oh, Yerkes, you'll be on the uh, another committee, right? Yeah. I don't no, know how, how many, many committees you on. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, they but always Kar- want me to uh, vote, so... But, but Karina's yeah. one that that's, she's, you know, she's retired, had a great career, and now she's continuing that with the growth of women's soccer at CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll definitely get Karina on the podcast shortly because she's yeah, brilliant. Yeah, you know, it would be interesting to get her on because, I mean, I've talked to her a little bit about it, but just, you know, her role at CONCACAF and to, her role is to develop the women's game throughout CONCACAF and the challenges that she has doing that. You know, it's not easy. It's not as just showing up in, in all these small islands in the Caribbean and saying, you know, let's try to inspire these kids and try to promote the game and get 
women playing it, um, it they, they come across all sorts of varying things down there. Like, we don't want our girls to turn into lesbians by playing football. Like, how do you freaking deal with that? Like, how do you answer that? Right. How do you answer that? How do you answer that? You just want the girls to play. Yeah. And they think that because you play, you might turn into a lesbian. Yeah. Like, it's, it was backwards <laughs> thinking, obviously. And it's still and it's, that way in a lot of places. So yeah. she's got her hands tied. Yeah, but she, she's one that takes full. the challenge on, right? Oh, she's brilliant. And she oh, won't, she, she won't leave until she's... For the job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, is TFC a buzzing this week, uh, teacher? Pablo Piatti signs the latest DP. Well, they're in Los Angeles at the moment, um, pre-season. Um, I think he's a, a welcome addition. A guy with huge experience, over 300 La Liga games, played for the likes of uh, Valencia, um, Espanol more recently, right? Yeah. Um, still question marks about his injuries, but Alex was in. Alex McKechnie was in the training facility this week, just doing a, a once over on him, just to see. Great. So we can okay. expect load management. Great. Load Thanks, management. Alex. Um, <laughs> He was in at the training ground for a couple of days this week. Seems very excited about being part of, of <clears throat> the group and pushing forwards. Uh, a lot of people still kind of questioning why he should be the new DP. But remember when TFC brought Victor Vasquez over and a lot of people were questioning that move. Yeah, uh, good point. And he was a fantastic addition for, for TFC during those couple of years they got to the, the final. So hopefully he can have the same input. Uh, very intelligent player, uh, a wide player, not not exhilarating pace, but very quick thinking, good understanding of the game, which will help our younger players, but also help the team out. Yeah, be interesting. I mean, obviously injuries are a concern this year with Bradley out for three or four months, yeah. and Josie's often going to miss miss a game. That's just where he's at with his career now. Mm. Now Piatti. So we'll see. Um, right in the thick of it. Camp wise at the moment, and uh, season begins when? When's the first game? March the. So they're in California for three weeks, and they stay there for the first game in San Jose, right? Which mm-hmm. is end of March. Yeah, so, right, so right. It's a long preseason for these boys to be away, but the club do a good job. They they take the families over there as well halfway through uh, this three week period, so they get to see the families and, and children still before the first game of the season. Wow. Um, one thing about MLSE, I tell you, they, they you speak to any athlete and, and the reputation is pretty strong as far as the way yeah. they treat the players. They and, look and, after and the club. Yeah. 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 Well, even when, I think, I don't know if Alex, when we had McKechnie on from the Raptors a, little, <clears throat> a couple of months ago, um, I think he talked about about that. Mm-hmm. You know? Let's talk about, at some point coming forward, we'll, we'll have an episode just on injuries in, in football and we'll get Alex on. I think it'd be an interesting one. You know a lot about injuries, Deitch. You've had most of them. I've right? been pretty lucky with Actually, injuries. Actually, back and head, right, isn't yeah. the main problems? Early in my career, I had like a couple of back operations. But, but knees and ankles have been okay, right? So far. Craig, you've been pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're pretty... You're my like, neck is killing next me. Next to miss... Yeah, next oh, now, right? my neck's a mess. Yeah. But during your career, though, you didn't miss Concussions is concussions. the thing. Yeah. 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 Doctors are worried about that. For both of us. Yeah. Three yeah. of us. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even play, for Christ's sakes. Uh, but yeah. uh, in a few good Took a mosh pits. big ones. <laughs> a few good scrums. <laughs> Here and there. All right. Well, listen, we're out of time. Anything else you want to get to, fellas? You good? There was some, hold on. There were some fantastic own goals at the weekend. Did you see the PSG own goal? 
No, I did not. Oh, I it's, it's up a the cracker. Mariapa scored a good one for Watford, actually. Right. But, um, please, if anyone's got the time, look at the PSG. I think it was the second goal uh, against Lyon. It's a double given goal <laughs> with two separate defenders from Lyon, and he, the, the second defender smashes it in the net. <laughs> it's a wonderful sight because I love seeing defenders on score goal. on goals. <laughs> I'm sure, Craig left them too, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, I was just thinking about I've had a few beauties actually, guys smashing them in. Yeah, yeah. What are you saying there, Wonger? Uh, just CPL Tuesday announced. Ottawa's new team and unveil yes. all that. So that would yeah. be an interesting... Huge day for, for the CPL, for Canadian yeah. football, I think, in general. And if you yeah. didn't listen to it, uh, please check out last week's podcast. Uh, a, Craig wasn't there. <laughs> so that's <laughs> a great reason yeah, to exactly. listen. But uh, great insight into the CPL and uh, Atletico Ottawa and how they came to be. So mm-hmm. check that out, uh, socials, as always. Make sure you please follow us on Twitter, footy underscore prime. On Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, it's Footy Prime, the podcast. Our thanks to Eggplant Picture and Sound for providing this wonderful mm-hmm. studio and our good friends at DeanBlundell.com. Uh, for Danny Dickio, Craig Forrest, Dan Wong, I'm James Sherman. Woo-hoo. Cheers for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.